I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free, extra-special Christmassy version of the show. And uh, thank you, patrons, including newest patron Neil Horton, as well as everyone who is joining us live. And I'm going to read them all. We've got Andy H., we've got another Nate, we've got Nick Gassman, we've got Pangolin Sandwich, we've got Richard Taylor, uh, we've got our backup bot, Craig. Uh, He is... (laughs) A non-sentient uh, member of the team but thank you to everybody um, who are keeping us in supply of christmas wrapping paper and eggnog you can join them and get access to our weekly sister show extra message and we've got a cracking one coming out this week by going to patreon.com forward slash uk tech and also on the patreon version of this week's show if you were ever considering a gift a christmas present to yourself well this would be the year to maybe check out the patreon version because in our extended ad free version this week we are going to be going back to a archived version of a CNET podcast that Ian and I hosted 10 years ago this week in which we were retrospectively reviewing the 10 prior years so from 2009 uh, from sorry from 1999 until 2009 and we're going to go back through it clip by clip this week and uh, and compare whether our thoughts on uh, the best tech of the previous decade has changed in the intervening additional decade so that's coming up later on in the show um Ian, how how the devil are you? I haven't seen you for a few days. To, for two weeks or something. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm very well. I've just noticed that th- there's a little feeling against my left leg. And if I look down, as I am now doing, I can see it is my cat. Robin, the text Aww. message cat, has just joined us. Robin, meow. Do you want to come and sit on me while we do a podcast? I hope he purrs. Oh, of course he'll purr. It's Christmas time. Hello. What's your name? My name is Nate. Oh, lifting him up. Here he is. He's just come to sit on us now. I'm going to stroke his head and then we're going to record some some purring, some Christmas purring. <gasps> Who's a happy Christmas cat? What do you want for Christmas? Meat, please, Daddy. Lots and meat. lots and lots of meat. Yeah. It's just uh... What a surprise. Your cat's very predictable. Oh. Can you hear the purring? No, I can't. But that's probably more about my hearing than it is anything else. Oh, well, never mind. Let's dive into the news, though, Ian. Ofcom is proposing a ban on the sale of locked handsets to make it easier for consumers to switch between mobile networks. This is according to a BBC write-up this week. Ofcom said BT, EE, Tesco Mobile and Vodafone are among providers that sell mobiles that cannot be used with alternative providers without being unlocked, quote-unquote. This will be familiar, of course, to anyone who's tried to get a pack code and been told it's not possible to unlock their phone, or at least if it is, they have to pay for the privilege. Now, the BBC wrote that according to Ofcom, nearly half of customers find the process difficult and some operators such as Tesco charge 
for the service. In fact, uh, Tesco actually charges £10 to unlock a pay-as-you-go handset if it's less than a year old. Although, I have to say, just before we debate this a little further, I do think that in that instance, Tesco Mobile, what with it being really the budget airline of the phone world, would probably argue if it was here on the show that charging for something like that helps it keep its prices generally very low. Anyway, back to the news. The BBC's story quoted Ofcom Consumer Group Director Lindsay Fussell as saying, by freeing mobile users from locked handsets, our plans would save people time, effort and money and help them, ready for this Ian, help them unlock a better deal. Uh. What a horrible unforgivably naff and fluffy bit of public relations Christmas bullshit there. Anyway, (laughs) the fact is, it's a good idea, don't you think, Mr. Morris, to ban the locking of phones to networks? Uh, Yes, I do. Because I think that um, people are contractually obliged to keep paying for their mobile phones and their contracts for as long as they agreed to. Uh, I don't think you need the um, incentive of locking phones in order to force that. So it might be that you get to month, let's say you're on a 12-month contract. I know those things don't exist anymore, but let's just say that you get to month 11 and you find there's a really good sale deal on a on a new SIM and you think, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to switch. Uh, I don't think there should be anything stopping you from putting that SIM in your phone as long as you carry on paying for the, the, the service that you've already contractually agreed to pay for. And of course, most importantly of all, there are times when travelling abroad uh, you might want to put in a different SIM, uh, you know, so you can take advantage of uh, lower prices abroad. And I don't see any reason that they should stop you from doing that. Again, I, uh, the whole the whole thing is to prevent you from uh, getting off the network that you're paying for, but you're paying for it. And because everything is mostly included these days, it's not actually going to make any difference to their bottom line, whether you do or don't use the thing. In fact, arguably, it's probably better for them because you're not using data uh, on their network if you're using someone else's SIM. Well, Richard Taylor in our live chat room right now says totally agrees with you and he never had that issue since moving to the iPhone. He says he didn't realise that locking could be a thing and that iPhones can be locked. Well, yes, they, they very much can and I believe in the US pretty much every iPhone is locked to, to a carrier and that certainly used to be the case here but now so many more people just buy them unlocked and put a SIM in with whatever network that they want. But it's just historically been the way. And if you remember when the iPhone in particular first came onto the market in the US, it was exclusive to AT&T. And over here, it was exclusive to O2. And part of the reason for that exclusivity was to incentivize the network to invest in the technology that was required by the iPhone initially, things like visual voicemail, unlimited data, stuff like that. And that was a big part of, I think, how that process was even able to get off the ground in the first place. But Ofcom is in a position where it's now going to do a consultation on the service. So it will allow the public, it will allow, well, actually, I'm not sure if it's public consultation, but it'll certainly allow networks and and, and others to write in and express their concerns or their support for this idea. But really, this is just such an old thing that shouldn't even be around anymore. Who wants things to be locked to networks? What's the point? Just having this conversation, it does, it feels like a conversation that we were having 10 years ago. Uh, and and it was because we were having this conversation 10 years ago and i just don't know whose ends it would serve for them to keep going with it anyway now so and and we've seen ofcom actually in this space do a decent amount of good this year we talked earlier on in the year that they made it possible to change your provider via text message so all you have to do now is text uh a, 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 you know a, a code or or something to uh, your operator and within an hour they send you a code back 
and your yes, contract do. is moved to another provider, or rather you're given the code that you then need to move it to another provider. And we talked about that at length, but that's just another way I think we've seen this year of Ofcom really, I don't know, making a, making a difference for, for, for consumers everywhere, although specifically in Britain, which is, of course, Ofcom's jurisdiction. <laughs> well done for clarifying that. Thank you very much. <laughs> According to the Royal Mail's annual list of children's Christmas wishes, the most common presents kids are asking for this year, Ian, is video games consoles. Oh, really? How disappointing. Yeah. Now, this includes the Xbox, obviously, the PlayStation, obviously, but also the Sega Mini Drive, which allows you to play a whole bunch of older Sega games. And this is all... Well, that's fun for Christmas. I'm reading here from the Independence write-up this week, although I actually saw another story written by Gizmodo, and I liked I liked Gizmodo's write-up as well, which started, Staff at the Royal Mail have been tearing open letters addressed to Santa in blatant disregard of GDPR regulations. The result <laughs> of their tampering is a list of the presents the kids of the nation most want, and there's bad news for my children as, quote, lovely jumpers does not feature in the top <laughs> ten. I that's think that's... Very good. I think I must be a Gary Cut-like uh, special. I think he, he may yes. have uh, written this. Anyway, um... Back to The Independent, the list is based on an analysis of the letters that Royal Mail receives from children each year who genuinely do write to Santa as part of a free service it provides. Genuinely write to Santa, not genuinely delivered to an overweight uh, octogenarian based in a part of the world that doesn't technically exist in the same place every year. Um, But nonetheless, I thought we could go through the top 10 and see if anything jumps out to you as surprising, uh, Ian. Okay, yes, please. Okay, here's the top 10 list. I'm going to go in reverse chronological order. Uh, in at number 10, LOL dolls. Now, Doesn't surprise me at all. What the hell is a LOL doll? They're the loot crate of dolls. Right, so I'm just going to Google get, it. LOL. You get, but you, so you, but you buy, what you tend to do is you buy like a surprise thing. Uh, then they open it up, and then inside is a random thing. So is this the same as LOL OMG Makeover DIY Sugar Big Sister OMG Fashion Doll? Uh, no idea. Number nine, bit generic this one, clothes. Oh, right. Well, they're always very popular. Keep yeah. warm. Number eight, baby doll. Fair okay, enough. That just sounds like a baby doll, so yeah. Number seven, mobile phone. Oh, God. Yeah. Now this one is is a bit more specific, I think. Number six, Animal Alley Giant Unicorn. No idea. Oh, who cares? Whatever it is, it's some something to do with the unicorn. Uh, in at number five, this is my favourite for reasons that will become obvious when I say the word scooter. Uh, the uh, they want music from the uh, late nineties dance act scooter of Germany. I, I very much doubt it. No, I think it's probably referring to the popular <laughs> uh, bi-wheeled mode of transportation. Oh, right. Yeah. Not always yeah, bi-wheeled. No. Some of those kids' ones are tri-wheeled, I've noticed. They are. My kids have had tri-wheeled. It, it's, it's obviously a big help for not falling off. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, in at number four, books. Good. Uh, and I'll tell you a little fact about this, Ian. Books did not place last year or in 2017 in the top ten at all. Uh, let's carry on with the chart. Number three, bike. Fair enough. Yeah, that was you would expect that. Number two, Lego. 
Oh, brilliant. I mean, I can't support that enough. Yep. And uh, number one, of course, uh, games console, as we've already as we've already discussed. Disappointed that no one's got gaming PC on there because that's the way to game. It's possible that the Royal Mail, in its infinite infinite wisdom but uninfinite resources, has simply merged all references to gaming into one into one possible. unit into one item. Which I yeah, I can, I'm just I can forgive. I was expecting to see you know Ryzen five processor, thirty two gigs of GDPR, GDPR, GDDR four RAM, that kind of thing. You know, yeah, not. Uh, but you have to remember that this is based on lists that children send to Santa, yeah. not what the nation is actually going out and spending its money on. So this is this is a little glimpse into the into the world of of kids. But uh, with that in mind, very pleased to see books in there. I've been buying a lot of books recently on uh, on Kindle more so. I've I finally moved over to Kindle all these years after it's been available to me. That's interesting because you're not um <clears throat> you're not a fan of certain uh tech companies and the way they operate. For example, you're very much um away from the Google ecosystem in terms of your personal use, aren't you? Yeah, I only use I use Google as a search engine signed out and I use YouTube signed out and that they're the only two google services i use no i mean but amazon feel grumpy about that at all no i'm not i I, i've made my peace with that i don't i don't mind amazon too much but let's not go down that that rabbit hole and let's let's find out what are you getting from or rather what requests are you out there in listener land getting from your kids anything unusual everyone in the chat room wants to talk about airpods i think yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm not surprised to see the mobile phone. I'm not surprised to see. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if kids wanted AirPods. Although, I wouldn't. I'd be very careful about giving kids headphones, wouldn't you? Um, no. Why would I? Why would I? Got to protect their precious hearing. Yeah, we'll buy them a good set of headphones. No, I don't mean the the their ability to hear. You know, the difference between lossless and MP3. I'm talking about mm. the fact that it's too easy to damage your hearing with headphones. We'll just put a volume limiter on. Well, they do. I mean, the EU has a volume limiter, doesn't it? That or, or is it? It does. It does. Yeah. Yes, it does. I don't think kids should be bought mobile phones, or in fact, any technology. In fact, I think we should just revert to like 19th century standards for children. A stick, just a stick and a ball. Buy your son or daughter a lump of coal and an orange. I will be buying myself uh, a new set of hi-fi speakers. Well, you, of course, can tell us any Christmas presents you are hoping for or writing to Santa in anticipation of uh, receiving by sending it to hello at uktechshow.com. And if we get time, we will read some out next week. What's the point in that? I don't know. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter.
Wired wrote this week about something called Standard Toilet, a new toilet seat that claims to drastically reduce toilet time. Uh, you may be wondering, has it been a slow news week? Has there been enough to talk about in the world of technology? The answer, I think, is proved by this story's inclusion that the answer is, has there bollocks been enough news this week? <laughs> anyway. As Wired says, approved by the British Toilet Association, uh, a members organization that campaigns for better toilet facilities, the standard toilet sits at a downward angle of 13 degrees, uh, which means that around after five minutes of sitting, according to Wired, you will get strain in the legs, similar to a low-level squat thrust, but not enough to cause health issue uh, issues that it points out. Now, Wired also reminded us of a July survey conducted by software company Protecting.co.uk, who, no idea, which found that British workers are spending more time on the toilet during the working day. And on average, and we've got a little comparison here, Bremies, that's people from Birmingham for our overseas listeners, they are the promptest poopers and spend four minutes and 45 seconds on the toilet while Londoners, and this, this, <laughs> this, I can believe, uh, <clears throat> Londoners are the longest at a whopping 28 minutes and 35 seconds, according to this survey. 28 minutes! People earn a lot more money in London compared to the rest of Britain, which means on a per hour basis, you are seriously milking your corporate paychecks uh, by sitting on the toilet. That's crazy, I mean, this isn't is, it? This is a presumably per day, not Well, this, per this is an average and it's self-reported, isn't it? So you have to take it with a pinch of salt, uh, <laughs> which can often help the pooping process. Um, but the, the, the main news here is the, is the toilet seat. And I'm very intrigued to see this because... I think toilets have been wildly under-innovated over the last decade. In fact, over the last hundred years, really. I don't know why we don't have more sensors in toilets for, you know, adequate seating position for the best, you know, posture. Uh, why we don't have measurements for nutrients, things like that. Things that could give you real-time feedback. Yes, yes, yes. It's disgusting. Obviously, no one wants to think about it. But we all do it. As the book says, everybody poops. And... I think that for something that's so important to health uh, as well, why are we not innovating more in the toilet world? And that's really what made me want to include this seat. I don't want to talk, I don't want, we're not going to go down a childhood, uh, not childhood, childish um, stories about, about toilets. I just think this is a good idea. I suppose. I, I've, I don't really think about it a huge amount. That, uh, that's the problem. What, that I don't think about it or that people don't think about it? That people tend not to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a key indicator of health, and if uh, if there's something wrong, there can be good clues in your uh, poo. Do you think that if you were an employee of a company that installed these seats that are deliberately designed to make long seated times uncomfortable, do you not think you would be a little bit annoyed? Yes, I think I would be very. I think I would be really annoyed. I I, th I think that you, it fails to take into account various different issues that people may or may not have with their toilets. Uh, it might be that some people, you know, take a long time and use it as a way of. Uh, uh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but you know, maybe maybe some people just take a break in the loo, and that's their way of getting away from the stress of work or whatever. I do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, not everyone uh, goes outside for a cigarette. And this could just be the slightly less unhealthy version of taking cigarette breaks, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I do actually. That is a, that is a that is a big thing. Um, uh, uh, Nick in the, the chat room pointed out to a little bit of pointed out a little bit of uh, toilet innovation that we that we'd missed, which is the creation of a slippery toilet coating, which requires uh, 
well, it, it means the inside of a of, of the bowl is is slippery, more naturally slippery. So you need less water to remove anything that's in there, which seems like a smart idea. Obviously, we have the Japanese toilets, which I've been wildly confused by during my jaunts around in and around Japan over the years. Um, one in particular, when I thought the the I couldn't tell. There's a little drawing of uh, like you know a man squatting with with some water going between the toilet and, and his and his backside and i i couldn't tell which direction the water was flowing i didn't know if it was press this button if you have <laughs> uh you know Explosive suffered diarrhea. this particular yeah exactly this problem or whether it was the opposite and it was use this to to clean so what i did is i stood out of the way and pressed the button and it was the latter and i soaked the mirror across the bathroom with this giant stream of water and i thought well i'm glad i moved out of the way not because i was staring straight down the barrel but because if I'd have sat, been sitting and pressed that, I genuinely believe it would have shot me through the ceiling. Such was the force of that um, gush. They are uh, a perfectly good alternative to toilet paper. I'm sure they are. I just wasn't expecting that. It was genuinely terrifying. It must take some getting used to, to be fair, because I've actually never used them. And I, I mean, I've, I've been to Japan, obviously. You've been to Japan. I, I never actually took advantage of the jet washing functionality. But uh, I imagine it's quite satisfying. I, I never dared. I never dared. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm missing out. I'll tell you something. Here's a little funny fact today. Tom Merritt of DailyTechNewsShow.com is in Japan right now. Ooh. So he, if he's being a terrible uh, you know, person and listening to tech podcasts while he's out on holiday, if so, Tom, turn off your podcast for goodness sake. Uh, but before you do, go and do one of, <laughs> of those and send us an audio report. That would be a fantastic thing for us to include next week. I'll leave it that would. with you. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. Um, one last thing I did wanted to talk about um, in terms of toilet technology while we're on the subject is I I used an app once called, I want to say it's called Poop Time or, or something like that. And what it was is an app where you put in your uh, like your your hourly wage or if you're if you're, you know, salaried like I'm salaried, I, I just worked out based on hours per per day and per week, per month and what have you, what my hourly rate was. And then you put that into this app. And then whenever you go to the bathroom, regardless of what you're doing in there, you press a little button and then you press a button again when you leave. And then it will tell you over the course of a week how much money, company money you've earned by being in the bathroom. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, our salaries or anything like that, but safe to say the relative amounts that I realized I was earning while in the bathroom made me feel very uncomfortable. So what I did is for a month, when I got those summaries at the end of the week, I took a percentage of it and I gave it to homeless people because I felt so bad that I could earn X amount of pounds in the bathroom while there were people on the street um, homeless. And I didn't do it for any longer because I thought they're going to end up with more money than me at this rate. But um but it was a genuine little thing that happened that I, I thanked the app for in a you know non-direct vocalized <laughs> way. Um, but anyway, that, I, that's what I'd love to see over the next decade is just generally more bathroom-related technology as the smart home of the future develops. But any thoughts you have, any experiences, of course, you have, do let us know. Hello at UKTechShow.com. What is your favorite toilet experience? Keep it clean. We're not looking for childish talk here. I'm genuinely very curious. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, the patrons uh, listening to this show have just had probably the best part of half an hour 
uh, of extra content as we went back to our 10-year-old episode of the CNET UK podcast, listen to a few clips uh, about what we at the time considered the tech of the prior decade. And we use that as a jumping off point to uh, talk about how things have changed and where we think things are going to go over the next 10 years. It was genuinely, I think, a really interesting discussion and quite nostalgic at the same time as being forward-looking. So if you have considered wanting to be become a patron, maybe as a Christmas present to yourself, maybe as one for us. Good Lord, in fact, I've just noticed we've been doing this show almost five years, Ian. Have we really? Almost five years, yeah. Heavens um, above. You can get immediate access to that episode by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Uh, and also you'll get our back catalogue and extra message and, and all that sort of stuff, depending on the, the tier that you choose. But we'd love you to join us. And if not, thank you to everyone still listening on our free feed and keeping us in the uh, in the public eye. It's been an amazing five years. We're not quite actually at the five year anniversary, but we are certainly planning on getting to that point and continuing on. And thank you to everybody um ian do you want to ask people to leave us a review somewhere as a christmas present to me and you yeah i mean i don't know i haven't checked itunes for a while but if you wouldn't mind uh giving us a review in itunes if you haven't already done so uh i don't know where else you can leave a review nate we on uh, the google thing just go to speaker's corner and um yell yeah okay that sounds good to me yes but thank you to everyone who's been listening supporting in whatever way you do it means the world we um we, we certainly plan on, on continuing for the uh, for the immediate future so look forward to that we'll be back very soon in your ears with an extra message we've got a couple planned before the new year hopefully we'll get another episode as well done uh, before the new year and no matter what you're celebrating if you're celebrating of course uh, towards the end of the year then i hope you have a wonderful time on your own with your families wherever you are 